iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome to the game podcast from The Times. As England excite the nation with a huge win to reach the last four at Euro 2020. Elsewhere, the Danes keep the romance alive as the semi-final lineup becomes clear. This is the game Euro 2020. I'm Hugh Wozencroft, delighted to be joined by James Gearbrandt, Gregor Robertson and Tom Clark on this jubilant evening. How are you all? Very well, Hugh. Thank you very much. Even Gregor's in a great mood after England's massive win over Ukraine. 4-0 out in Rome as they cruise through to the semi-finals. They're coming back to Wembley. Two games left, both of them at home. It's on. It's fully on. Tom, how are you feeling after that as an England fan? Slightly unnerved, Hugh, if I'm honest. It's not meant to be this easy, is it? Early goal, calm performance, get into half-time, leading, come out in the second half, two quick goals, game over, into the semi-finals, rotate some players, bring some people on, give some others a chance, even start Jadon Sancho for the first time in a major competition. Why not? Throw that out there as well. 4-0. I mean, something's got to go wrong at some point, hasn't it? Surely. Oh, Surely. don't say that. You'll be barred from this podcast if I hear something's <laughs> going to go wrong at some stage. It was perfect. It was perfect from start to finish. Everything that we wanted to go right did go right. No one even got a yellow card. No one's even suspended for the semi-final. I mean, Gareth Southgate is a football genius. James Gibson, what did you make of it? Yeah, it was, just, um, <laughs> it was just a very calm, professional performance, wasn't it? perfect James telling me to put a lid on it without specifically saying keep a lid on it I'll go back to Tom Tom take it away there was at least one moment for you Hugh wasn't there with old your mate Jordan Pickford when he came charging out of his goal and did a kind of karate kick at the ball tried to spoon it you know all the way up into the air just to try and keep things interesting but I mean even you know the man's still not conceded a goal Hugh still 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 not having it still just doing his job yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I don't know what you want me to say. You'd think he was picking the ball out the top corner every week, the way people are talking about Jordan Pickford. The biggest compliment we can give him is that he's not as erratic as he was before. I mean, at the moment, he's, he's always been a talented goalkeeper. He's just cu- currently a straightforward, you know, he's not doing anything untoward, no frills, and that's job done, isn't it? James, I'll come back to you. Rate that England performance, bring in Jordan Pickford if you want to. Ukraine were not uh, probably uh, the stiffest opposition that you're ever going to face in a major tournament quarterfinal. Uh, They did look quite spent, sort of, you know, physically and emotionally. Um, But, you know, it's that old, cliched old adage that you can only, you know, beat the team that are put in front of you. And I thought England kind of, you know, dispatched them very efficiently. I I thought it was a really good England performance. I'd have to go for 
yeah, like an eight or a nine. Uh, and I really like what Southgate did with the starting lineup as well. I, I mean, I thought he might be maybe a bit more conservative. I thought we might, you know, uh, I suspected that we might see the the return to four at the back, but but I have to say I didn't see the selection of Jaden Sancho coming. But I thought Sancho was excellent. Uh, I mean, um, you know, uh, I know people will say he didn't score and he didn't get an assist, but but you know, I, I thought he was fantastic. And, and and the balance of that front four, I think, worked really really well with Raheem Sterling, you know, continuing the superb form that he's been in in the tournament. Um, and it was, you know, it was one of those performances, one of those nights where pretty much every box that Gareth Southgate would have sort of wanted to be ticked in his, you know, wildest dreams, you know, did end up getting ticked. You know, the, a goal for Harry Kane. There were no injuries. There were no suspensions. Um, yeah, it couldn't have gone much better for England, really. It all is quite unnerving. I can see why you'd be unnerved by it all. It's like... I'd say it's the most controlled England performance in a game that actually mattered that I can remember seeing. And yes, everything James said is true about Ukraine. They looked knackered and not just not great. <laughs> they were. Um, and obviously, you know, I said yesterday, an early goal would, would be huge for England. And it, and it was, I think, because their their game plan was to, was to frustrate and to, you know, to see how far they could get into the game that way. Um, but the early goal just, you know, Ryan Sterling again, just taking responsibility, bouncing off someone. How strong is he? Just, it's, it's, it's frightening how, how physically <laughs> imposes is not the right word, but he, you know, for such a little guy, he kind of, people try and rough him up, rough him up or barge him off the ball and he just bounces off them and he, you know, rode a challenge, beautiful ball through for Kane, don't know what the defence were doing and that's Harry Kane on cloud, on cloud nine now. So, it was unnerving it does feel strange doesn't it it does feel a little bit strange it's like that was that was too smooth too smooth a passage but I was also watching it thinking and you know this is not this is not in any way to kind of make a dig or that but it's just I feel that England should be playing that like this England should they have this within them they should have probably been playing like this earlier it doesn't matter now they're here they've grown in the competition look at this team look at the team look at the team you have look at the players on the bench look at the players in reserve look at the people who came on and you know just to see the game out england have england are the richest football nation in the in the world they have an embarrassment of riches in in terms of the, the talent the talent at your disposal now i think england should be playing at, at this at this level england should be reaching the semi-finals now they're going to have a stiff, a stiff opponent and we're going to see whether they're good enough to take it that, that next step further. The other thing, Hugh, that I'm finding really unnerving during these podcasts is how often Gregor Robertson seems to be agreeing with me. It's very, very unsettling. That's <laughs> arguably the most unnerving thing. But what I just wanted to pick up briefly on something that James kind of hinted at there is how fascinating is it that we spent all this season talking about systems and Gareth Southgate, got to pick, he's got to pick one. He's got to pick one. He's going to settle on it. That's the only way you win a tournament. And... With bringing in Sancho and a slightly different system, you know, we've kind of had a, I would say you could make an argument for having at least three different systems and different lineups with different players in this tournament so far. But as Gregor said, with all the kind of talented players, he seems to have them quite settled and just happy that each time they have a different role. He actually, Southgate mentioned it in his post-match press conference then, if you're not picked, you still have a role to play either off the bench or even as part of the squad. And I just, I just think it's fascinating that we've cooked, we spent all season talking about that's the only way you can win a tournament with a settled team and a settled way of playing and a settled starting eleven, 
and Southgate's just thrown it out the window. You know, changes the team, changes the starting eleven, changes the system, and he's getting results. That all went through my mind as well. It's like, was this by design? You know, yeah. is he really thinking he can you can utilize the entire squad and get to the same final of a Dominic Calvert Lewin was on the bench in the last game and now he's coming on. You know, he's putting his arm around Jack Grealish at the end, I'm sure saying in his ear, you know, we're gonna need you, we're gonna need you. I think only Ben Chilwell and Conor Cody, perhaps I can't think of many players now who haven't had some involvement, apart from goalkeepers. So yeah, I mean either this is a master stroke or it's kind of <laughs> he's just taking each game as it comes and looking and thinking, as he said, I want to play Jaden Sancho because he'll stretch the play. But that that to me, that starting that starting eleven, you could argue for anyone in Jaden Sancho's position. But the rest of them, that is England's best team. And I think we should have seen that from the start, essentially. But it doesn't matter now because you're in the semi-final of the European Championship. <laughs> James, do you agree what with with what both the gentlemen have just said there around the masterstroke of England building into the competition? Because Gareth Southgate did mention early on that it was about peaking in the latter stages. You know, when he was questioned about the performances during the group stage, he was very calm about the feeling that England would grow into Euro 2020. Yeah, of course. I, I, with major tournaments, it's, it's always about, you know, it's always about peaking at the right time. And I, I this has not been wise after the event, but I, I did feel the reaction to the Scotland performance was, was way, 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 way over the top. Um, you know, I think looking back at the last few, few major champions or major tournament winners, you know, teams, even even the teams that win these tournaments very rarely kind of advance through the groups, you know, sort of swatting every single opponent aside with, you know, sort of total ease. It, it's always about kind of building into the tournament. Um, I'm really impressed as well with the kind of emotional kind of tenor of this England squad. It, it's been so common to see in previous uh, England tournament appearances, the players almost kind of, almost over kind of saturated with emotion and sort of, you know, really hyped, really wired and sort of not quite in control of themselves. Um, you know, I remember, um, I remember talking to one of the Iceland players who played against England in 2016 and him just saying, you know, we just looked at England in the tunnel and they just were, they were just absolutely wired and, and we could just kind of tell that, you know, temperamentally, they were just not in the right key to, to, to play a major tournament game like this. And the contrast with the England team we have now, where they are so composed, so self-possessed, they have such a kind of firm kind of rain on their emotions. And that's really important. It's, you know, it's another thing that's, that's really important in, in tournament football. I think it's been quite instructive to hear actually along a similar theme. Ashley Cole, Rio Ferdinand and Frank Lampard today and sitting in you know in the studios talking about they're almost they almost look looking on with envy the kind of relationship that they have with Gareth Southgate that they have with the media that they have with playing for the country that shift you know Gareth Southgate deserves great credit for that because I think that does that does alter the way that people feel about playing for England now that's been seen in their performances so you know that shift has been has been a huge a huge factor in in England's success joining those two points together as well. The way the players seem to to get on really well, you know, we go back to that Manchester derby with John Stones and Harry Maguire having a cuddle and the uproar that that generated. I don't think should any, be any England, that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think, I think if you if you look, think back to that and now look at them playing side by side in a back four for England that haven't conceded a goal, this is the England team that we said had no good defenders. And I was watching an interview with only with Luke Shaw today. 
um, talking about Bakaya Saka and how all the players in the team love him and Shaw saying, I love him. I just He's like my little brother. He's so funny. You know, this is a Man United and an Arsenal player who, you know, could have been playing against each other, kick, kicking the crap out of each other this season. And maybe they will be next season. But the fact that that is the atmosphere that Southgate has generated in the squad as well, I think that just, to further James and Gregor's points, I think that that clearly is a big factor for this squad. It's a weird one to pick up on, on, on all of the points, but... Um, I think if you look back and you see the competition, the rivalry in terms of the Premier League between the England squad, I mean, it was like 90% of the England squad, if not more, was picked from Manchester United, Liverpool and, and, and maybe Chelsea at the time. And of course, Arsenal, you know, there were huge rivalries going on that all of these ex-England players mentioned at the time had really carved up the sort of team dynamic when they got to, to their country. And I think... One of the interesting things is some of the biggest teams in the Premier League now, they don't necessarily have that many English players. We know, of course, there have been some great young players that have come through in Chelsea, for example. But you see the likes of Declan Rice at West Ham, you know, starting in the England team at the moment, alongside a Leeds player, Calvin Phillips. And you see the contributions of a Jack Grealish, you know, from Aston Villa. You know, that, that, that dynamic isn't really there anymore. And you know, we talk about the Arsenal players, Spurs players, you know, that these guys aren't really at the moment competing where you want to be. So it, it, there isn't that level where I think at the time it was more of a two horse race. We've now got a big top six in the Premier League. And I think that has helped with the, the relationships in the England squad. I think England are in a much better place than they have been previously. The temperament thing is a great point as well, because watching the post-match interviews and just it was put to them in such an excited way back-to-back semi-finals at a major competition, you know, incredible. How are you feeling? And they were they were like, well, yeah, that's where we wanted to be, was always the target, and uh, we're, we're glad we're here. You know, there was none of that jubilation that we were feeling at home. Of course, they were delighted to be there, but they weren't overstretching their reaction. And, that, and it's the same with the Scotland game, as James mentioned. They, within the squad, didn't overreact either in the way that maybe we did as the English football public. And Gregor, I can see you nodding. You've mentioned it before. <laughs> we are horrible people. If only we had a level head like you, Scott, of course, things would all be all right. Um, look, having said all of that, I want to be a little bit more forensic with tonight's performance, in particular, some of the players' performances. And I wanted to start with Harry Kane, the captain, scored a couple of goals tonight. It was just a much needed boost for him, Tom, to have that confidence. I mean, people talking about him for the golden boot now. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of the pundits were talking about it before the game, weren't they? That old cliche of, well, he's got one now. You'll watch him fly. But he did look a lot more confident. I think it was the shot that he took on in the second half that the keeper just tipped over the bar. I think that 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 looked like a guy that suddenly is like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite good, aren't I? I'll be fine. Um, but that, that first goal was key. I mean, Sterling for that first goal was superb as well. Um, that That, when you're a striker who's just scored one and then is looking to keep that that start of some good form going, when you get a pass like that, it's fantastic. And I think he, his shot actually went in off the keeper, so it wasn't exactly the, the cleanest strike or the cleanest finish. But yeah, he, he looks a lot more confident now. And I mean, it feels like a long, long time ago, didn't it, since we were debating whether Harry Kane should be in the England starting lineup? But I mean, he's probably he probably embodies this England team, doesn't he? He's scoring goals and England England look confident again. And they're in the knockouts and they're in the semi-finals. So, as James said, peaking at the right time is important, and that's working for Harry Kane and England. It was kind of interesting. I thought that Southgate took Kane off at the end rather than taking off Maguire, who was on a booking. I mean, I was like, 
uh, that's uh, that is, uh, I, so I I personally I, I I wouldn't have done that um, because I think Maguire is so so important to England and to me that seems that seems an unnecessary risk. But it's really interesting because it kind of shows you how I mean obviously we all we all know that you know Gareth Southgate is not going to drop Harry Kane, but the fact that he was replaced before you know your influential centre half who is walking a disciplinary tightrope did just really kind of ram home that he is an absolute untouchable for Southgate. And, you know, his, his importance is just, uh, yeah, is, is enormous. And, and, and hence why, you know, Southgate obviously took him off, you know, just to kind of cover that very sort of, you know, outside risk of getting injured or whatever. I totally agree with you. I was screaming for Harry Maguire to get taken off. I was like, we're almost there. No suspensions. No, oh, Harry Maguire. Oh no, wrong Harry Gareth. But look, it all was all all right at the end of the day. Let's be honest. Um, Luke Shaw, left-backs alliance, Gregor Robertson. What a performance from the Manchester United fullback. I felt watching the game, he felt more eager to be involved. It was almost like the previous performances. It was sort of like, oh, I am playing quite well here. And it suddenly clicked in his mind that he could have a huge influence, not just a really good one. And he suddenly was like, I could, I could, I could outplay these lot. I can get into the penalty area because he had, of course, the assist in the last game. Maybe that clicked into place that if he gets himself into the penalty box, he could have more of an effect. Perhaps just a realization that he belongs on this on this stage. It's you know you've got to remember Luke Shaw made his England debut at such a young age, and then there was many years between it after his horrible injury and then difficulties uh, in Manchester United. So. He's not got that many caps and he was brilliant against Germany and he tonight he was just outstanding. You know, obviously his his delivery has got that kind of I don't know, he can make he can just slow down to have the kind of delicacy, this the lightness of touch on his crosses, his his final delivery, right at the final moment, rather than just always belting everything across the six yard line. You know, he's got that he's got that um that kind of made his touch around the penalty area. So yeah, he's he's been outstanding and and huge asset for England going forward. There, I think whoever he's whoever he's got in front of him, he's 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 kind of intelligent enough to link up with. He was he he was outstanding tonight. But you could go through England's team really, and there weren't many players. I thought you know Kyle Walker had a couple of shaky moments towards the end of the first half. Pickford had that kind of slashed clearance, but apart from that, every single player was was really at the top of their game. Raheem Sterling, impressive too. Jaden Sancho as well. I know you mentioned him a little bit earlier on, James, but do you think Jaden Sancho did enough tonight to keep his place for the semi-final? In terms of what I think will happen, uh, my gut feeling is no. Uh, I don't think that he will be in the starting eleven um, in the semi-final. Um, but personally, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't mind at all if he was. Um, uh, I thought he played extremely well. Um, tonight uh, and I think he kind of um, suits quite well the way that England is sort of trying to play you know not kind of pressing massively high up the pitch but sitting in quite a sort of mid to kind of low block and sort of you know just attacking into space in transition he, he's just uh, as we all saw uh, Jaden Sancho is just a phenomenally skilled dribbler and I think that worked really well in this game against um you know, a Ukraine defence that had come to sort of sit and frustrate. I mean, as Gregor said, England are like unbelievably spoiled for choice in those two kind of, you know, wing positions. I mean, the, you know, the quality of the individuals that England have available is just, is unbelievable. But I, I think maybe there's a, 
there's a misconception with Sancho that he's kind of, you know, he's sort of, he's showy, that he's sort of, you know, a kind of flashy dribbler. Like Jaden Sancho, yeah, he can do those things. He's an unbelievable dribbler, but he's also all about, he's all about the final pass. Um, and I think he's not a selfish player at all. He's, he's a very selfless player. And I think that fits well in the kind of, you know, the ethos of this England squad. But yeah, my gut, my gut feeling is no. I think he'll be back on the bench um, for the semi-final. Uh, just finally on this, there's a question I wanted to ask all of you because I thought the Ukrainian performance was that bad tonight. I really wondered what we learned about England. It was right smile from all of you. I mean, they were terrible. Take it easy, guys. I mean, what's praise in England, but the, the, the opposition were awful, frankly. Andrei Shevchenko needs to have a word with himself. Um, Tom, what did we learn given their performance, the Ukrainians? What did we learn about England tonight? Well, I think we learned that, as we've already alighted on, that Luke Shaw can be quite deadly and quite important to England going forward. I think there's actually something quite interesting going on with both England's opposite, you know, the two flanks for England, because you've kind of got Raheem Sterling and Luke Shaw down the left. Sterling with his capability to go both ways and Luke Shaw with his ability to bomb on and put crosses in the box. And obviously on the right, Kyle Walker has received a lot of praise in this tournament so far for his defensive work, for his tracking back, for his unbelievable pace, which gets John Stones and Harry Maguire out of jail from time to time. But his overlapping and delivery into the box isn't as good. And so I wonder whether in listening to James talk about Sancho there and thinking about Saka and some of the things he brings, that's perhaps where we're heading with this England team, that it's a kind of either a Sancho or a Saka, a bit more direct running, a bit more pace, a bit more dribbling ability down the right to kind of offer that threat that perhaps Kyle Walker doesn't. And then on the left, there's this nice relationship developing between Sterling and Shaw. So that was one of the things that perhaps in this um, constant debate about which of the attacking players get in, Maybe that's a way in which we're narrowing it, perhaps. But as as I say, it, it, and as Gregor quite rightly points out, you could easily put any of the other players in and they'd still be a threat. But I just wonder whether I was just watching the game tonight and wonder whether that was something that I felt was becoming a bit more evident. Gregor, what did we learn about England tonight? I think we learned that they need to trust in their capabilities and be brave now, from now, now on. You're like, I don't think they need to... Yes, you've got to consider who your, who your opposition is you've got to you know nullify their threats but we've seen England are as good as any team in this competition Italy have been the most entertaining but when you look at England's team and, and the strength and depth that you have the, the options you have from the bench in a competition when, they, when you can use five substitutes you've got it within your <laughs> within your grasp I think that they need to be bold I think they need to be brave uh, we saw the kind of I think we saw uh, a bit of a realization of that tonight, and I think you know. I just hope that I hope that we see that uh, against Denmark now. James, what do you think? I mean, yeah, it's a tough one because, uh, as I say, I don't think, um, yeah, I don't think Ukraine were really good, uh, you know, quarterfinal opponents. But on the other hand, um, you know, England did put four goals past them, um, and I think you know if that was if I sort of think back to previous tournaments, had France done that or, you know, had Germany sort of put four goals past the substandard, uh, you know, quarterfinal opponent in, you know, Euro 2016 or something, we'd all be saying, oh, you know, they're looking ominous. They're kind of really clicking into a high gear. And I think England, you know, England are one of the best teams in Europe. They, I mean, I think, frankly, England have been one of the best national teams in Europe 
for the last you know tournament cycle for the last three years or so. And they've got a lot of individual talent. They've got a system that works really well and they know really well. They're extremely solid defensively, and you know they have just great, great talent in you know the attacking positions. And finally, Hugh, other than a you know increasing admiration for Jordan Pickford, what did you learn? That's what I want to know. <laughs> what do we learn? Well, I'm in the same camp as Gregor. I've got to be perfectly honest with you. I yeah. mean, it looked like a friendly. To be perfectly honest, at times, like it didn't look like it was a quarterfinal at the European Championship. No. I don't blame England for that. I think England came with the right attitude and they showed their talent, which they haven't always done at that stage. But I think tonight they they really did. And I think, you know, three headers in the game, you know, the set pieces were back. You know, all those things that you need to be good at at, at international football, they were good at. Um, but for me, really, what I learned is they are building. You know, I, I think Italy are just ahead of them. But I think tonight I learned that England can get to that level by the time this tournament ends. And hopefully it is in the final if, if it's against Italy, you know, and we have a special moment involving England. Are you happy with that? You know, it's a bit of romance. Yeah, I, love right in there. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I love it. <laughs> I, just, I, I think something that England did learn tonight that was really, really useful is that Luke Shaw is a really good set piece taker. And that yep. I think is actually a really, really interesting learning from this game because we know how set important set pieces have been to, you know, Southgate's England. Uh, and I don't think they'd really maximised them up until now at this tournament. I think against Germany, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the XG from set pieces was really, really low, despite the fact that we had quite a lot of them. And there's obviously the context of, you know, Alexander Arnold isn't here. James Ward-Prowse obviously didn't make the squad. We don't have a sort of real kind of front rank, sort of someone who you'd sort of say, yeah, he is a set-piece specialist. Apart from that, Trippier is probably the nearest thing. And, and, and there was sort of a lot of conjecture that maybe we needed Trippier to provide that set-piece threat. But actually, Luke Shaw's delivery from the dead ball tonight was absolutely superb. And that, I think, is a really useful learning because it means you don't have to play Kieran Trippier to have that set-piece threat. You don't even have, you know, you don't have to play, you know, Mason Mount, for example. Obviously, Mason Mount brings up, you know, an awful lot of other stuff in, in open play. But you know what I mean? Like, it's an interesting, you know, it's a really useful learning that Luke Shaw can be, you know, an elite set-piece threat for, for England. Mark Ziegler noted in his column today, even the Italians are noting that uh, Harry Maguire is getting his slap head on the balls. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, that did, amazing, did you see that? It? That was a nice little detail in his column. You should uh, look it yeah. up. It was... Even even Italian commentary are, are referencing him as slaphead. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, Vard, Jamie Vardy's work is done <laughs> across <Yeah>. Europe. <laughs> well, look, he took his goal fantastically well. You know, great to see Jordan Henderson get his first in an England shirt as well after 62 caps. Well deserved. Uh, we'll look ahead to the semi-final involving England and Denmark in a few moments' time. We'll check in with Ian Hawkey on exactly what happened in the game between Denmark and the Czech Republic. But remember, if you're enjoying the podcast, leave us a five star review on apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast and of course make sure you're subscribed to the times and the sunday times right now for more of our great journalism during euro 2020 just go online at search thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game to begin your free trial voiceover describes what's happening on your iphone screen voiceover on settings so you can navigate it just by listening books Contacts. Calendar. Double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Well, one team stands between England and a place in the final at Euro 2020. It's Denmark who will meet England on Wednesday in the semi-finals after their 2-1 win over the Czech Republic in Baku. Earlier on, I spoke to Ian Hawkey, who had a close eye on the match for the Times, and asked him what he felt the key to Denmark's win was. Well, first of all, being as they have been under extraordinary circumstances, really proactive from the beginning. They, they went for it from the off and, and you know, they got an early goal, which was uh, a combination of some, some bad marking by the Czech Republic from a set piece, which is, you know, slightly out of character for the Czechs and, you know, a good piece of well-worked opportunism uh, by the Danes. And then, you know, being Denmark, they didn't sit back and think it's incredibly hot out here in Baku. Let's just hold on to our one nil lead. They, they went for it again and it was, you know, it was a really really sort of seesaw back and forth first hour of the game, which you have to admire both teams for. They both recently arrived in, in Baku and far from being daunted by the temperatures, they, they, they really went for it. It was, it was very entertaining for the first hour. And then, and then you saw that, uh, you know, they were, they were both utterly sapped uh, for the end of it. Um, but, you know, Denmark did what they do very well, um, effectively once again. You know, they used their, their width. They were, they were pretty brisk on the counter-attack. And they, you know, they converted their crosses, which got them their two goals. Full admiration once again for the Danes because they, they've just been an absolutely positive force, both in a technical sense and emotional sense throughout this tournament. Credit for the coach as well, Kasper Hulmund, in terms of how the team has played thus far. I wanted to talk about Kasper Dolberg, who I compared to Nicholas Bentner in uh, some way previously on the game podcast. I, I basically said, you know, he's a player that had always, for me... You know, he's one of those players that knows he's good, but rarely performs to the level that we know he's got the, the talent to show. Today he was on the score sheet again and he was uh, supported by the boss by giving him a start because Paulson was back and back on the bench and did come on. Where do you think Denmark go from here? Will they stick with Kasper Dolberg? He's now been the goal scorer that they, they wanted. I, I think it slightly possibly depends on how they want to play against England. I think Poulsen is probably the better bet if they're going to counter, which they do very well. You know, Poulsen came into the tournament with, with a greater level of trust, I think, from Kasper, Kasper Hulmund. But Dolberg has been quite useful and it, it's, you know, it's, 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 hard to, it's hard to drop him now, isn't it? And yeah, you know, he is, um, he's, been, he's been good as a target man and he's, re he's worked really hard as well. Um, you, noticed, uh, you noticed his work in defence in the first half today. You know, he, 
he really put the hours in. Um, and I don't know if that qualifies him for Hugh's Nicholas Bentner Award, but, you know, I, I think it's probably something that needs acknowledging. Rarely a, a comment that's been made about Nicholas Bentner, so maybe that's a, a pro for Kasper Dolberg in this argument. Um, I wanted to talk about the two wingbacks as well, Stryker Larsson and Joachim Myler. They were the two assist makers in the game for Denmark, particularly the Atalanta left wingback, uh, Marla, he's, I think, caught the eye for so many, and he did for you today. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he, he's he, he's been a phenomenon. Actually, as, as I'm sure a few people have noted, this has been quite a good tournament for Atalanta players, um, uh, you know, in the Italian team, in the German team, etc. Um, and I don't think that's a coincidence, you know, that this is a very hard-working very effective counter-attacking club side and a lot of their up-and-coming players have really performed in this tournament. Uh, Myler is, um, he's ubiquitous. Uh, he can he can do both flanks and, and he can do it at an incredible rate of energy. He was on the left today. We saw him pop up against Wales on the right quite effectively. He issued one of the most beautiful crosses that we'll see all tournament you know, with the outside of his boot, which, which led to, to Dolberg's goal. Um, yeah, he, you know, he, he just works up and down, up and down, um, and he, you know, it, for the way Denmark want to play, as I say, they you know they break quickly. Um, you know, he's a, he's a he's a superb asset, and I think this this will be this will be interesting in the semi final, won't it? It'll be quite interesting to see what they do with with Myla and Stoiger Larsson, and whether that you know whether that tempts Gareth Southgate possibly to go back to a three at the back with wing backs I don't know on what you saw today how worried should Gareth Southgate and England be clearly England have to be the favourites they they are obviously in in fabulous form um, the one thing is of course there is this this recent precedent isn't there of being beaten by Denmark in the in the Nations League in what turned out to be a quite an untidy game for England last October Denmark know what they're about and you know they have they have an astonishing and admirable drive. They are at a, at a huge disadvantage for circumstances. They're coming all the way from Baku to England's home ground. They've travelled an awful lot this tournament. But, you know, we keep wondering when, you know, when the fuel's going to run low for Denmark. And it hasn't so far. It hasn't, you know, in a way that's hurt them so far. Well, they know they will be the underdogs. Um you know, perhaps there's something in that. They, you know, they 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 made some errors today. A stray ball uh, from the back from Kasper Schmeichel, um, and you know, they sometimes look slightly as if they they were on the edge. But you know, there's 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 something behind these. There's something behind these Danes. Um, but yeah, you'd have to say that it would it would be surprising if if England don't go through to the final from here. Our thanks to Ian Hawkey for joining us on the game podcast, letting us know about England's next opponent, Denmark, Wednesday night at Wembley, as I say. I wonder if England should be worried about the Danes. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, I think they have to be. Um, the momentum factor, but also, as I said, after their last performance, it's far more than that. They're playing playing really well. They sat back a little bit too much, in, in my opinion, once, when Czech Republic got that goal in the second half. That surprised me a little bit, although they did look threatening on the counter-attack. But in the first half, they looked superb. You know, we talked about England growing into this tournament. You know, Denmark obviously had the quite frightening moment at the very start of the tournament, an extraordinary moment with Christian Eriksen. But 
they did also lose two games and have grown into the tournament in the same way that England have in slightly more dramatic fashion. So they're kind of peaking at the right time as well. So it'll be an incredibly difficult task for England, I think. There definitely won't be Ukraine-esque, Hugh. I don't think we'll be after the semi-final. Even if England have won, I don't think we'll be comparing it to a friendly. That's for certain. So, yeah, England should definitely be worried. My only hope for England and worry for Denmark, as I say, is that is that second half where I felt a little bit like they were kind of clinging on against a team that really they're, they're better at in footballing terms. Made the long journey to Baku, which I think played a part in the second half as well. To those, for those of us that have been there, very hard. You survived Baku, Hugh. Come on. If, if you can do it, Denmark have got no excuses. Just about survived Baku, yeah, especially when England are playing. Uh, Gregor, what do you think? Should England be worried? They shouldn't be worried, but they should definitely show, show Denmark respect. They've got, they're a team. They're very much a team. They're very, very well organised. You know, they've got they've got threats. I think Braithwaite's running. He's not, you know, he's not the most gifted footballer that, that we'll see in the championship, but he's he has got some legs. And then you've got Thomas Delaney's legs bombing into the box and his Irish roots that you may, you know, remember. Um, <laughs> Damsgaard kind of a bit of craftiness around the penalty box. Uh, and a really experienced back three, you know, play for Chelsea, AC Milan, Southampton. So Casper Schmeichel and goal. So I've also found that their their head coach really interesting. Casper Hulman talking about phases and how they need to play well in particular phases of the game, kind of dominate phases and other phases. They need to know how to sit back. I think we've seen that. We've seen we saw a controlled performance for much. There was the start of the second half. The Czech Republic really came out, got their goal, and they kind of shook them a little bit. But I still thought it was a pretty controlled performance, not in the same way England were controlled today. But I think they're they're a kind of they're a solid outfit. So. It's definitely, definitely going to be England's biggest test. But look, if you were in the semi-final of the European Championships and Italy, Spain and Denmark are the other teams, you would take Denmark. So, happy days. <laughs> no, interesting point you make about the phases because I think we we maybe make it too simplistic in, in that we've said before, you know, you've got to ride the storm out or there's always going to be 10 minutes when you're on top or the other opposition's on top. You know, we almost make it too simplistic and Casper Hulman has made specific tweaks to the team, that, that not just a formation, you know, moves players around at the point that he feels the opposition are on top. And then when he feels like there's a bit of a lull in the opposition's play, he then goes on the offensive again. And it's been fantastic to see that ebb and flow during Denmark's game so far. Maybe the manager's will prove the difference on Wednesday night. Although, you know, in Gareth, we trust, like you say, Gregor. Uh, James, do you think England should be worried? Worried is always like, is, is always, I think, the wrong way of, of framing it. I'm like, a sensationalist, obviously. you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, obviously, that's obviously not the, you know, the right approach. As Gregor said, it's, it's more about a matter of being respectful. But I think Denmark are very, very good opponents. I think Denmark are a much better team than the Croatia team that England faced in the World Cup semi-final. Denmark, for me, are potential winners of this tournament. They, I mean, what is not to like about Denmark as a team? They're an outstanding team. They were an outstanding team. Maybe not an outstanding team, but they're a very good team even before this tournament. They're in strong, strong form even leading up to the tournament. Uh, I think, as Tom said, the kind of, the sort of, the Ericsson factor obviously you know, is is there, but I think has been overblown a little bit. Um, you know, they're not just kind of sort of being swept along on this tide of, you know, emotion. They're just a very, very good football team. And I think England will be really tested. Finally, I've got to ask, I've got to ask it. It's more sensationalism from me. Blame me, Times listeners, please. I, I can only apologise. Um, 
I've got to ask this question because England went to a World Cup semi-final. They got to a Nations League semi-final. They're now in the European Championship semi-final. We often talk about teams, you know, needing to go there, needing to fail, come back stronger, you know, building towards something. We said all these things about Belgium, for example. So it's only right that I ask the question as England head back to Wembley, you know, their home stadium for a semi-final and potential final. Gregor, I'm going to start with you on this one. Is football coming home? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Do you know, I saw someone arguing about that today on Twitter saying like, yeah, you know, this, that was always the meaning of the song, but it didn't stop me talking about it in, in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> but I would have to say, yes, there is a very strong chance. And I, I, I would, I definitely back England to get to the final. I just think if Italy get to the final, Italy have been the best team to watch. We'll see how they react to the loss of Spinazzola, but that would be that would make for a, a fantastic final. And like, if there was any team that wasn't England going to win, I would want it to be Italy. So that's the final I want to see, and I think that's what the final will be. I'm not going any further than that, though. <laughs> such a politician Gregor such a politician honestly they'll never let you back in Scotland with chat like that it's outrageous I'll be honest Nicola Sturgeon probably was, would have just said no you know that's the real vote winner isn't it James what do you think uh, I think all four teams are quite evenly matched uh, remaining in the competition um, I don't really see a lot I actually think if anything the first semi-final I would give Italy more of an advantage than I would give to either of the teams in the England-Denmark semi, which I think is very closely matched. Um, they're, all very, they're all good teams, I think. Um, that's not to do England down at all. I mean, yeah, of course, this is an, England have an enormous chance. They, I think, are as good as any of the teams left in this competition. And they're playing at home for the last two games, which is, you know... It has you know for well, apart of, apart obviously from last season for reasons that we're all aware of has throughout the history of football been a very significant advantage. Um, yeah, I mean England have an absolutely enormous opportunity. They have no, as we've spoken about, they have no injury worries currently. Yeah, it's, it's a huge it's a huge chance for England. I mean, I wouldn't I, uh, right now before the semi-finals, I wouldn't put their chances you know north of fifty percent say. But yeah, I think they've got. They've got a huge chance. Somewhere in, I would say, somewhere in the thirty to forty percent region. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Gregor sat on the fence. Neck, James. <laughs> Expected Euros uh, coming out from games. This James happened in. on the last show as well when you teed it up, and I had to end by saying, "Yeah, they're definitely going to win it." I can't believe it. The best thing about James's answer is that he's clearly been burnt before, so he didn't want to. He didn't want to commit. You know, he's got the feelings they're building that he thinks it could be coming home but he doesn't want to go full. And I, I can understand that because you, it's fair. the hope that kills you. You don't want to get heartbroken, do you? So, Tom, maybe you're going to give us some realism or you're just going to give me what I want. Well, I'll give you, a, firstly, you and the listeners, some insight into how sports desks work around the country. As I was sat with some of my editing colleagues and we we're discussing, right, oh, four semi-finalists now. And one of my colleagues um, who's worked on in sports newspapers for far longer than I have said, oh, God, as long as it's not Spain. And what he means is that there's no, you know, no one wants Spain, do they? Italy are the team everyone's fallen in love with. Denmark have got a great story. England, it's coming home. Spain, <laughs> Gerard Moreno scores two as Spain win Euros. Boring. No one wants that. So as long as it's not Spain, <laughs> none of us mind. The second thing to factor in is that I, something I said after the Germany game, which is you quite rightly reeled off some of those semi-finals. It would be great for England to get to a final because even if then we lose in a final, there's just a new kind of 
thing to be a bit melancholy about and a bit wistful about. And there'll be a new highlights reel. You know, there'll be no more kind of Italia 90, 96 World Cup in Russia. No more semi-final. There'll be, you know, there'll be new reasons for me to make James go and tread tread over old footage of a game and think, why did we nearly, nearly win it? So I'm going to say that they are going to get to the final. I won't go any further than that. Geographically, it's coming home. They're going to get to a final. There you go. Hold on, hold on. We just got geographically, it's coming home. England have got a 30 to 40% chance of football coming home. It is coming home. <laughs> and they are going to get to the final so that we can stop talking about the semi finals, won't commit to they're going to win it. I, I can't countenance England losing a final because Gareth Southgate, I think, will go from absolute hero to in 20 years' time being spoken about like Tim Henman. Some people saying, it was great. What are you talking about? Another saying, no, he let us all down. He should have won I don't it. Think, so I, I, just, don't know, but all, all, I don't think, like if they beat Denmark, and as we've all picked Denmark up, are, are a very impressive footballing side and get to a final of a tournament and then, you know, Italy, Chiellini and all the boys diving and rolling around, do a job on us. I don't think you'll blame Southgate for that. I think it'll be another, you know, BBC montage. Oh, God, what might have been? But I don't think it'll be a garrison. <laughs> no, I can't take a montage. I'll be gone. I'll be in tears before that, long before that. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for joining me on this episode of the Game Podcast. Gregor Robertson, Tom Clark and James Gearbrand. In a week's time, let's hope we're at least talking about looking ahead to a final involving England. We can be partisan. We, yeah, we can. And so can you. Uh, make sure you keep listening to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening. Make sure you're subscribed as well to The Times and The Sunday Time. Loads more to come throughout the competition. Go online, search thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game to begin your free trial. We will see you in a few days' time to look ahead to the semi-finals involving England. See you soon. Q Wigfield. Did it na Voiceover describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. Voiceover on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone.